Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed. At Mace Denver. At Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to RMFP.com. In the meantime, we're going to give you a late Christmas gift right now. $100 gift card to Optimum Golf. Two great locations, Park Hill or Rhino Neighborhoods. I've been to both. What's that $100 gift card going to do for you? Well, number one, you can use that gift card to get a free lesson from my guy, Kyle, who is a fantastic instructor. Or you can use that $100 gift card to get two hours in their virtual golf setup. It is a simulator where you can play some of the best courses in the world, Pebble Beach, Torrey Pines, so on and so forth. You can play Augusta National. When you're out there, you can also host a private party. They have leagues and tournaments. Again, they have award-winning pros, but we're going to give away $100. If you want to keep your golf game in shape this winter, there's only one place to do it. That is Optimum Golf. Book your tee time today at theoptimumgolf.com. First caller, 303-831-1340. 303-831-1340. Time now for the lead. The lead presented by Sasquatch Casino and Blackhawk. Okay, Mesa Broncos fans on Twitter screaming for Vic Fangio to get fired today. Shermer to get fired today. The special teams coordinator, Tom McMahon, to get fired today. Vic Fangio met the media today, says he believes he and his staff deserve another season. Now, before we jump all over him, what the hell is he going to say? He also said he would return without an extension. Also said he's not worried about his job security. As for Fangio on Pat Shermer, he said, quote, Pat has a long history of being successful in this league, and I'm counting on that happening in these final two weeks. Fangio also added about the Broncos, we're close. You can start unpacking this. I mean, let's start with, Pat Shermer having a long history of success in the league. It's not a long history as a play caller because he has never been a part of an offense as a play caller that has been in the top 10 in the NFL. The only top 10 offenses he's been a part of uh, in Philadelphia when Chip Kelly was calling the plays as head coach. It's, I mean, I, I don't get that. I, I, I know Vic is defending his guy. That's what he's doing publicly. That, if you asked him privately, I don't think he would say that. But yeah. you know what? You know what? At the end of the day, like general managers, you have to live with your draft picks. You have to live with your free agent signings. And you have to live with your head coaching hires. Pat Shermer was Vic Fangio's choice. And I'm sorry, Vic. But now you have to live with it because you didn't want Scangarello. You didn't want a guy that you had to babysit, a newbie to being an offensive coordinator. This is the guy you picked. And to refer to Pat Shermer personally and as a play caller and as a play designer is insulting vanilla ice cream. Yeah, vanilla ice cream is tasty. But it's still vanilla. Vanilla. 
Not French vanilla. It's vanilla. I like I like regular vanilla vanilla better than French vanilla. That's just me. Well, I'll make sure I have plenty on the menu when you come over to the house for New Year's yeah. Eve. Oh, man. We're close. That's what Fangio said. We're close. They Let's... lose a lot of close games. I mean, you go through uh, you go through the Vic Fangio era, 2019 through 2021. Did you know that the Broncos have the fourth worst winning percentage in the NFL in the last three seasons in games decided by fewer than seven points? After yesterday, they're six and twelve. They lost one last week as well. You know what good teams do? They win close games. That's right. Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, someone asked me on Twitter today if maybe the inability of the Broncos to get done kind of stems from. In training camp, when their practices don't seem to have the same kind of, you know, verve and enthusiasm as you see with some other teams, I don't think it has anything to do with it. I think it's a it's a symptom of deeper issues. Deeper issues being your team just isn't good enough for myriad reasons. Offensive coordinators are part of it. The quarterback's a huge part of it because, yeah, I mean, Teddy Bridgewater is literally the best quarterback that you've had since Super Bowl Fifty, and he is mid to lower mid tier. And that's the best you've done at quarterback in the last six seasons. When the NCAA picks its field of 68, there's lots of different criteria, but one of them is how did you finish the season? Mm -hmm. Now I'm not staying completely true to what I'm about to say, but I think you'll get the point. When you look at the projected, as of today, top five draft picks, top five draft picks, in order, in order, it is the Jaguars and the Lions, one, two. They were on the Broncos' schedule. Broncos beat both of them. Good for them. I understand any given Sunday. I understand that teams that are winning, or should win games, are not winning all of them this year. This year is more of an anomaly than any other year. Picking number four is the Jets. Picking number five is the Giants. Their combined record is 12-47. and 47. Outside of playing the dregs of the league, the Broncos' record is 3-8. and eight. I don't care what the score says. Vic, that's not close. Well, the number that kind of underscores that is uh, strength of victory, which is a tiebreaker down the line. Oh, geez. Hello. Are the Broncos yeah. like last or second to last? They got it. They be. are last in the AFC yeah. in strength of victory, Yeah, tied with the Eagles for second to last in the NFL. Only Atlanta has a lesser strength of victory than the Broncos do. Right. And that I mean that shows that you're you're getting fat on the easy targets. Right. That's and good what, for them. That's Listen, what the Broncos did. Tampa, they beat who they were supposed to be. Right. Tampa lost a game they shouldn't have lost, right? Cowboys lost a game they shouldn't have lost to the Broncos. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of teams that have lost games they should not have lost. Good for the Broncos for for beating up on the sisters of the poor. But they had a big advantage that other teams did not have. They got Trevor Lawrence in his second game and Zach Wilson in his third game. game. Yep. 
and they got they got the Lions right after the Lions had won. And that historically, right. when you have a team that starts 0-8 and worse or worse, if you get a team that finally gets its first win in the second half of the season, they relax in as dramatic fa- fashion as the Lions did. Exactly. They relaxed. They and then on top of that, the Lions were missing a slew of players because of COVID. Right. So you got the so of course you were going to stomp the Lions. Everything was set up for you to do that. But by and large, you look at what has happened when the Broncos have gone against teams that either are in the playoffs or have a very good shot to be in the playoffs. And you know, the the Raiders are kind of mediocre. They've got a chance, although they had they lost four defensive starters, by the way, of the COVID list, and we'll see if that has any impact on the Broncos in the next couple of days with positive tests. But they lose two to the Raiders. They lose to the Bengals. They lost one to the Chiefs. They lost to the Eagles. Let, let me throw something else Basically, in the, the, the Cowboys game and then the, the Chargers game on Thanksgiving weekend, those are the anomalies. The, those are the, the results that do not – reflect the norm for this team let me throw something else in there besides second game being against trevor lawrence second ever game zach Mm -hmm. wilson second ever game against pittsburgh ben roethlisberger was reeling going into that game broncos lost against las vegas the following week john gruden was fired that week they lost that game the next week case keenum is the starter because baker mayfield can't go Three losses in a row where you can make the case they have the upper hand going into the game. Don't forget on Cleveland, they were down to their third running back in Dearness Johnson. Right. No Kareem Hunt, no Nick Chubb. And that night, Dearness Johnson just sliced and diced up the Broncos defense. Yes, they had injuries at the linebacker core that forced Curtis Robinson to play extensively yes that does that does matter but at the same time you allowed the Ernest Johnson third team running back for you know guy who's been in you know the 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 alliance of American football a couple of years ago the Ernest Johnson averaged more than six yards a carry against you and by the way he didn't do that with like a huge 70 yard run his longest run was 20 yards it was over and over that night, five yards, six yards. He was getting to the second level time and again. You had So you think of, of those games where, like you said, the Broncos had an advantage going in. Right. They were, Roethlisberger was reeling. The Browns were decimated. The Raiders had complete chaos coming into Denver. And the Raiders in the last game didn't have their best player on the field in Darren Waller, and they were essentially reeling going into that game. They've had a lot. I know that I know the Broncos have had injuries. I know that Teddy Bridgewater didn't play in the last game. But at the very least, the Broncos have had some advantages going into at least four games this season and have lost all of them. Yep. Coming up after the break, Peter King. I don't know if you read him. He's very much an NFL insider. He had a very interesting comment today about who could be quarterbacking the Broncos next year and who could be the Broncos head coach next year and who could be joining the Broncos 
as the new number one wide receiver. Yes, over Sutton, Patrick, and Judy. That's next. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason, watch us, milehighsports.com. You can reach us, Rocky Mountain Forest Products, Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you are looking for wholesale lumber to the public, not retail, but wholesale, go to rmfp.com. In the meantime, Mace, want to give out a shout-out to my beautiful sister who is listening in the car right now. She is in town uh, from Minneapolis, and you and I have talked about her and what she does for a living. She just won her seventh term on the Minneapolis City Council, and the Minneapolis City Council certainly came into focus with the whole George Floyd thing. One reason she ran for a seventh term was... I'm just going to come out and say we don't talk a lot of politics on this show. There are too many crazies on that city council, and thank goodness she ran because she's one of the few people who decided defunding the police was a stupid idea. So shout out to my sister for making the right decision and many right decisions for the city of Minneapolis. With that, well put. Well, well, put. well thank you. Thank you. Does that mean she's going to give me an extra piece of chocolate pie tonight? I would hope so. I would think so. Yes, that's the least she could do for that little stirring ode to her political career. Yes. She is my biggest fan. I mean, I'm her biggest fan. Time now for the buzz. The buzz is presented by Rocky Mountain Forest Products, where they specialize in wholesale lumber to the public. Go to Rocky Mountain Forest Products in Wheat Ridge or go to rmfp.com. All right, Peter King suggested today if, in all caps, if Aaron Rodgers wants to leave Green Bay, it would make sense for Nathaniel Hackett and Devontae Williams to join Aaron Rodgers in Denver. The Packers, according to King, would get multiple first-round picks and Jerry Judy in a theoretical deal. How does this deal sound to you? And let's be honest, how much more are the Broncos going to have to give up to make this happen? I mean, let's face it. If they could trade two first-round picks, a fourth-round pick, and Jerry Judy if to Green Bay for Rodgers— I mean, they'd be jumping up and down. That's a good start. Now get realistic. Yeah, you're you're talking about if not adding another first round pick in 2024, at least adding multiple second round picks, perhaps both second round picks from this year because he acquired one from the Rams plus a second rounder next year. This deal, if you could pull it off, would be remarkable. You'd be ecstatic but I don't think it reflects the reality of what a deal is going to look like. Well, here's the thing. If you have to give up three first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two th- third-round picks, and Jerry Judy, and that's what it takes, sorry, but you make the deal. Because here, here, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line. 
George Payton, you need to push in all your poker chips for this one because one guy's opinion, not only does this make the Broncos a playoff team, which is obvious, I think the Broncos are now the team to beat, not only in the AFC, but in the NFL. Yeah, and it's, you know, the interesting thing, of course, mentioning um, Nathaniel Hackett, who's the Packers offensive coordinator, do, do the Broncos, if they indeed replace Vic Fangio, does George Payton need to make this coaching hire thinking, is there a coach or coaches who could allow me a much better shot at Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson? And how high a priority should this be in naming the next coach? Here, should be th- to, me, to, be a, to me, it should be a huge priority. I'm going to throw this out to you. Yeah. Vic Fangio has one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. And he is being paid obviously, like a head coach right now. If I'm Vic Fangio, knowing I'm never going to get a head coaching job again, is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. Okay. And he has bounced team to team to team. For Vic Fangio, we shouldn't count the number of teams he's been with. We should count the number of teams he hasn't been with. Because quite frankly, you can make a case, that's a shorter list. With that, if I'm Vic Fangio... And they bring in Nathaniel Hackett, and Vic Fangio wants to win a Super Bowl. You stay as the defensive coordinator, especially if Peyton says, We're going to pay you anyway. Want you to stay on at that salary. You want a ring? Now's your chance. You think he'd do that? No, he wouldn't, but it'd be foolish. If his goal is to win a Super Bowl, if that's his goal, and he's getting paid really good money, now I don't know how it would work. Would he get that salary with the Broncos and then be able to double dip and get a salary from somebody else. He probably would. I'm not totally sure, but if his goal is to truly win a Super Bowl, it would be unprecedented for a guy to be a head coach and then just become a coordinator. I don't know if that's ever happened. I'm sure it has, but I don't know if it's ever happened. If he truly wants to win a Super Bowl and he's going to get paid a head coach's salary anyway as a defensive coordinator and he wants a ring, this will be the best chance he will ever get in his career. You know, it did happen with the Avalanche. I was talking about the NFL, but what do you got I know, from the NFL? Like as far as, I mean, it's rare. Tony Granado stayed on the staff when they hired Joel Quenville back in uh, 04. Right. And right. then, but I mean, but that didn't look, that didn't really work all that well. Well, they, they didn't win a title. They right. Didn't win. So do you think. The, the Quenville hire was about winning a title and they didn't do it. Looking at Rodgers and him wanting to leave Green Bay, what we have read, what I have heard, people I've talked to, things are better with him and the GM and the president, which is yeah. great, I suppose. But do you think there's a better chance Rodgers wants to leave if they win a Super Bowl or if they get knocked out in the first round or the first game that they play because right now they're headed towards a bye? Oh, I think if they get knocked out early, he looks for a way out. And if he wins a Super Bowl? I think there's a decent chance he retires. Hmm. Okay. So I guess we're... But, but then beyond that, I think if they win a Super Bowl, it's very it's very much, oh, well, let's see if we can just run it back again and we'll find a way to go through the salary cap gymnastics to make this happen to not only bring Aaron Rodgers back but also keep Devontae Adams. With this cap, as we've seen with the New Orleans Saints, it's malleable in ways that most people can't imagine. 
if the Packers win a Super Bowl and he decides to come back, I, I can't imagine in that case it would be with anybody but Green Bay. So if you want Aaron Rodgers in Denver, you want the Packers to lose. Yep. In the playoffs. I agree. Now, you know the cap better than I do. I think they're right now like $48 million or something under the cap. With that, bring in Rodgers, who will want a new deal. Devontae Adams, who's going to want a new deal. How much is that going to hamstring the Broncos' cap, where they can do more things? Well, I mean, you're going to have to do to structure a Rodgers contract to where a big number maybe hits in a couple of years. So you might be able to kind of get by in the short term. The thing that, that will eventually cause long-term issues is you d- if you do have to sacrifice a lot of draft picks, that means you're sacrificing the cost-controlled players that you need to kind of build up the roster when you've got a quarterback that's going to be making that much. And also, in this scenario, Devontae Adams, presumably, we would be chewing up $20 million a year. So you can get around it in the short term, Three or four years down the line, you might be looking at some very uncomfortable situations cap-wise. But at least for the moment, I think you can make this work and still make some extra moves on the fringe. And don't forget, you'll probably have a fair amount of guys that they're not willing to take incredible discounts, but they would take a little less money for a shot at a Super Bowl as they get to into their early mid-30s. And they're thinking, OK, I'm a, I've been a good player, but I'm missing the ring. Here's one more shot. And you could and you'd see spots around the roster being filled up with players like that. You know, it's funny. You can make the case that the Broncos have had the greatest duo at the quarterback position in NFL history. You can make the case. I'm not saying it's true. With the 49ers, Montana, and Young. With the Packers, Favre, and Rodgers, right? Colts, with the Colts, and Correct. But you put Aaron Rodgers on the Broncos, that's a trifecta that would be impossible to beat. Yeah, believe it or not, the, only, the other trifecta that you think of um, actually would belong to the Packers and Rogers be part of it. And star. Star, yeah. Far, Rogers. All Hall of Famers. Yes. Yep, I would agree. But Elway, Manning, Rogers, that is a flat out wow. Coming up after the break, more than a few saying Broncos lost to the Raiders yesterday, team loss. Listen, when you lose, it is a team loss. But how much are you really pinning on the defense? They forced three turnovers, but they got gashed on the ground in which they could not get the ball back for their offense. But the way the offense played, honestly, would it would it had even made a difference? We'll talk about that next. Would you still remember me? Yes, sir. Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman, Mason. Watch us. SmileHighSports.com. You can reach us. On the Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed, at Mace Denver, at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com time now for what's trending 
What's Trending is presented by Colorado Off-Road in Littleton. If you need major accessory brands or something off-market for your truck, car, Jeep, or SUV, they've got it. Upfit today at Colorado Off-Road or go to cooffroad.com. Okay, at the end of the day, when you lose a game, Mace, you know, it's a team loss. I mean, you just kind of need to group it that way, although one side of the ball might play better than the other side of the ball. Okay, with that, the defensive guys have said we should have done more. I'm sure they're saying all the right things, but then again, they gave up a lot of yards on the ground. Um, The Raiders chewed up a lot of clocks, specifically in the second half, but they did force three turnovers, and very rarely does a team force three turnovers and lose. How much are you pinning on the defense? Um, a fair amount because the thing with, with takeaways is that they're pretty random in terms of how they're gen- in terms of how they're generated. It's not something you can. They got ten points out of it from week. They got ten points out of it. They got the offense got ten points out of it. Yeah, the offense got ten points out of them, and they they gained five yards on those two drives. But. Uh- I'm not putting anything on this defense. Are you kidding oh, me? Oh, see, I, 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 no, because the reason why I'm disagreeing is because it, some, some part has to go on the defense because as the game went on, they were getting pounded at the line of scrimmage time and again. Got it. It's a, like you said, it's a team loss. Okay. I mean, I'm with you. I'm every, with you. Everyone's culpable in this. Okay. How many, uh, how many offensive series do the Broncos have? I believe nine. Nine. How many plays do they run? Forty. 40, 40 plays in nine drives. That is the offense, plain and simple. The Broncos offense had plenty of opportunities. They had nine drives. And to your point, off those turnovers, the defense should really get credit, if we're being honest, for those 10 points. Yes. The Broncos offense scored three points legitimately. That's it. And yet, in the second at the same time, I mean, again, the defense not only could not get off the field. I mean, if you look at kind of over the course of the of the game, I mean, the Raiders they had the Raiders had three drives that that four drives that covered uh, or pardon me, three drives that covered fifty or more yards in that game, including a seventy-five yarder and a seventy-six yarder. The, the and if really. Good thing for the Bronco for the Broncos that the Raiders fumbled there at the end of the fir- of the end of the third quarter because that was the only stop the Broncos defense had in the second half was on a fumble the only, in Bronco territory. The only reason why the Broncos didn't lose by double digits is because of their defense. They scored three points legitimately on seven drives, but that- at the same time, Bradley Chubb did make a great play. Yeah. At the end of the first half. Yeah. I would argue that that was also a scenario where the Raiders had no business running a play like that. Hey, listen, they capital. The Broncos capitalized. The Broncos capitalized. Don't 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 fault them for, for the, don't fault them for a great them. play. Yeah. Don't Trump fault them. You're faulting play. them for it. Well, you're you're saying it was lucky. It was fortunate. No, I'm, I'm saying that good for the Broncos. They were able to take advantage of the of the Raiders mm-hmm. for a brief moment there at the end of the first half, right. losing their damn minds. Right. And the Broncos took advantage of it. Listen, Chubb could have dropped the could have dropped the ball. You know what that's like, and, and, I, and I'll reference this to golf. You're fifty yards from the you're fifty feet from the cup, and you hit it two inches from the hole. What do people say? Fifty foot putt, 
two inches from the cup. What what does everybody say, generally speaking? I'd say it's a great putt. Right. But if you knock it in, you know what people say? It's kind of lucky. You, yeah, you, you almost rather miss. So that's Bradley Chubb. That, that's Bradley Chubb. So he yeah, makes like a great play, but he makes a great play, and instead of saying great play, you're saying they were lucky. No, I'm saying both of those things are true. I'm saying it's a great play by Chubb, but I'm saying the Broncos were incredibly lucky. The Raiders were stupid at that moment. Yep, and they took, a, a, and they took advantage of it. That was a dumb call. The Broncos took advantage of that. But that being said, if the Raiders are sensible there – in that scenario, mm-hmm. but they weren't. Broncos had, the Broncos have six points. You, you know where you know where the Broncos' offense was lucky that Chubb didn't score. If he would have scored, then the Broncos would have accounted for six points. So they're lucky he didn't score because it would have made them look even more pathetic. They're lucky he didn't score that he got tackled at the one yard line. That's where the that's where the Broncos are lucky or specifically the offense. They had nine opportunities to score. They had seven opportunities to score with nothing based on the defense. They couldn't move the ball at all, and they scored three measly points. That's it. Yeah. The the defense gave them lots of opportunities. And it's not as if these turnovers were forced, okay, Um, when the – Raiders were at the Broncos 20 yard line in which they worst case scenario, give up a touchdown, best case scenario, give up a field goal and nothing happens. The Broncos offense has to drive 80 yards. Two of those, they were in scoring range. They set, they set it up for the Broncos offense on a platter and they still couldn't convert. I'm not saying that the defense was perfect. I am not. Big, I'm not. I'm not I mean, suggesting big that. holes for Josh Jacobs in the second half as well. Some of that, I think, was the fact that the offense was doing bupkis and the defense did wear down. It did, but no, but no a lot, doubt. But 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 one thing that we have seen is that this defense, while it it is exceptional in the secondary, it has been susceptible against the run and that's one of the reasons why even though you look at kind of some broad-based metrics uh like points allowed per game and this broncos defense does very well when like for example you go to football outsiders which does their at their value over average their dvoa metric and right now the broncos defense is 22nd in the league and that's why one of the things that i think is interesting when the time comes to make a decision on vic fangio and George Payton, if he's mulling over whether to keep Fangio because of what the defense has done, deeper dive in the numbers show this defense isn't quite what it appears to be on the surface. You know what the difference is between the Broncos? First of all, I don't know if you know this. Do you know the Broncos right now are number one in the league in scoring defense? Yes, they are. No, Okay. And, And actually, I think Ben Albright, our friend, pointed out that as long as they don't allow 35 points next week to the Chargers, they will have allowed fewer points in 16 games than those Broncos of 2015 did. I mean, I, but I, I on a per possession basis, that defense was also much better. I I understand the Broncos got gashed when the when the Raiders ran the ball, but you know what? The Broncos ran for 133 yards against Cincinnati, and the Bengals still found a way to win. Right? 
still found a way to win, and they only scored 15 points. And they only scored 15 points. Who was their quarterback? What's that? Who was their quarterback? I understand that. What I'm saying is the Broncos ran for 133 yards and still only managed 10 points. That's it. That's it. 10 points. That's all I got. So just because you run the ball well doesn't necessarily translate into points. And on and for the Raiders, they ran the ball well. That really didn't translate into a lot of points. They scored 17 points. It didn't translate into a lot of points because they were ge- they were generous and giving opportunities on a silver platter. With the, the Raiders had taken better care of the football. It's not a close game. Let me ask you, what what would you rather have? A team run for 43 yards and not force and the defense doesn't force any turnovers or a team that gives up 150 yards on the ground and forces three what sounds better to you well turnovers are usually the most predictive statistics so i'll take i'll take the the takeaways especially if you're not giving away the ball on on your own there you go so then the the broncos defense so the broncos defense did what it needed to do it forced three turnovers which generated 10 points but that also shows you how pathetic the team is the the defense did force the takeaways and it does and in terms of in the short term it does give it turnovers and turnover margin are the most predictive statistics in terms of predicting whether you win or lose what do we have coming up on just in case you missed it the avalanche still on hiatus but espn put out a piece today the most indispensable player for all 32 nhl teams we'll uh, we'll uh, tell you who it is for the avalanche according to the four letter network and the nuggets had a win last night in Los Angeles. The Joker had his teammates and the officials laughing before the opening tip. What was the joke? That's next right here on Afternoon Drive with Goodman and Mason on Mile High Sports. Drive with Goodman and Mason, presented by Silter Har Mazda. A no-pressure buying experience in Broomfield at Silter Har Mazda. Find them at sthmazda.com. Live from the Sasquatch Casino and Wildcard Casino Sports Desk, here's Eric and Andrew. Always the same, it's just a shame, and that's all. Welcome back. Afternoon Drive. Goodman Mason. Watch us. MileHighSports.com. You can reach us. Rocky Mountain Forest Products Twitter feed at Mace Denver at Eric Goodman. If you're looking for wholesale lumber to the public, go to rmfp.com. Time now for the final word. The final word. Presented by Sasquatch Casino in Blackhawk. Just in case you missed it. Just in case you missed it, a big day for the big men in the NFL yesterday as multiple offensive linemen caught touchdown passes. There was one in the Eagles game, one in the Cowboys game, and one in the Jets game. Which Broncos O-lineman do you have the most confidence would uh, make the catch if they were chosen as a receiver on a touchdown throw from Drew Locke or Teddy Bridgewater? Ooh, ooh, that's tough. I mean... It's not just about being the best athlete, the softest hands. I mean, Garrett Bowles was a lacrosse star in high school. He's also the best athlete. He's also the best yeah, athlete. Best athlete. I mean, I don't know if he has the softest hands, though. 
Yeah. I've, well, no. Uh, ask anybody who he has held over the last four or five years, oh. and they could probably tell you. But the athleticism probably means he runs the best route if asked. So probably bowls. That's who I would go with as well. Just in case you missed it, Kristen Shilton of ESPN wrote on ESPN.com, the most indispensable player for all 32 NHL teams for the Avalanche. It was Kale McCarr. Agree or disagree that McCarr is the most indispensable Colorado player? The Avalanche, unfortunately, off for the rest of 2021. They uh, have a couple games postponed this week, but hopefully back on the ice in the early part of January. I actually agree, and especially since we saw the team function reasonably well without Nathan McKinnon in the last several weeks. Very rarely do you get a defenseman who can do the things that he does. Listen, it's very rare you get a guy like Nathan McKinnon either. I'm with you on that. Uh, But Makar at his position isn't necessarily more valuable, um, but he's more special because of the position that he plays and the things that he can do. Just in case you missed it, the Nuggets got a big win last night in L.A. versus the Clippers, 103-100. to Road win, a tough time for the Nuggets right now with so many guys injured, guys dealing with the COVID list as well. And a funny moment at the start of the game, when uh, Jokic and Zubats were about to take the opening tip, Nikola was repeatedly trying to time the jump for the tip, and he kind of did a series of quick pelvic thrusts that made the official laugh, and he had to step away and compose himself. Jeff Green and Will Barton kind of chuckling at the uh, visual as well. The Joker finished with 26 points, 22 rebounds, 8 assists. We've seen Jokic dance before uh, at the All-Star game, coming off the court in some of the happier moments of Nuggets seasons uh, the last couple years. Which Denver team would win in a dance-off? Ooh. Well... Ask uh, ask any of the Broncos players. I'm sure they would say them for sure because they like to celebrate whether they get an interception, they pose in the end zone, or any wide receivers who like to celebrate when they get to the end zone. I'm guessing they would say them. But I think when it comes to overall athletes, I would say NBA players are the better athletes, so I would say they are probably the better dancers just for that yeah, reason. Yeah, and also, I mean, you look at a football team – there are some guys who are of uh, more ample proportion that I think would bring the overall dancing score for a team down. So I got to go with the NBA guys, no question. But you know what? When it comes to figure skating, I'll go with the Avs. There you go. If it was an ice capades type dance off, no question. Yeah, the Avs would run away with it. I mean, it. McKinnon and Makar would be a f- fantastic pair, no yeah. question. Just in case you missed it, a big-time contributor for the Nuggets in the last couple uh, weeks here as they have dealt with so many injuries, Devon Reed, who's been up on a couple 10-day contracts with the Nuggets. He uh, might might have earned himself a full-time roster spot. He's played in seven games over the last 10 games, averaging 16 minutes, and he's shooting 46% from the field, 33% from three and he's shown he's very willing 
to be a big-time effort guy on the defensive end, something we haven't seen out of someone like, say, Bull Bull, who uh, seems to not have a great attitude about the time he does get on the court. Devon Reed, on the other hand, said uh, to Mike Singer or to the media in general that it's been transformative for his career to have Michael Malone instill confidence in him and tell him he belongs. Is it time for the Nuggets to bring up Devon Reed to the full roster and maybe wave or try to trade Bull Bull to free up space for him? Eric, your thoughts. Sure. Um, Everybody loves to use this stat, PER, which is player efficiency rating. Uh, He is basically tied with Aaron Gordon for second on the team at PER. So when he's on the floor, he is a difference maker. I'll leave it at that. You know what Devon Reed reminds me of? P.J. Dozier, a guy who you didn't think much of, kind of toiled back and forth between the G League and the NBA and then proved he could be a player. Right? Yeah, I'm a big fan of P.J. Dozier, and he's he's one of those guys who you put him out there on the defensive end, and he's going to give it 110% and yep. take on a tough challenge on that side of the, of the court. Also, give you a little bit of offense. This, this Reed kid is taking advantage of his opportunities. I say good for him. Mace, you there? I'm there. I'm just. I have nothing to contribute to this discussion. I'm just going to let it. Let you guys go on it. Okay. All right. Anything else, Danny? Should we just uh, end this thing? I think that'll do it for today. Will that do it? We have another show coming up. We don't. Oh, okay. So we don't. But have this to be is on about time. the time that we usually wrap it up. Anyway. Nah, no. So. Let's just continue to talk. You want to talk? I can go one more. I'll do one more just for fun. Okay. Yesterday in uh, the Ravens Bengals game, the okay, Bengals. Okay, let's end the show. <laughs> no, go ahead. No, go ahead. The Bengals were uh, throwing the ball when they had a significant lead late in the game, Good question. trying to get Joe Burrow up to 500 plus yards uh-huh. passing, get him the franchise record. And this is against a team who was running the ball late against right. the Broncos uh-huh. to try to keep their 100 yard rushing game right. streak alive. Um, Harbaugh took exception with it. Martindale took exception with it. (laughs) Is this bad sportsmanship or is there something to be said for running the ball when you're ahead late versus throwing the ball when you're ahead late? Well, hold on. I will start with this. They weren't running the ball because they were ahead late. They were running the ball because they were looking for a record. Okay. Karma's a bitch, isn't it, Jim or John? It really, really is. It doesn't feel good, does it? So shut up. That's yeah, my answer. Yeah, I think the thing is they when they reacted the way they did, they forfeited the right to yeah. take any umbrage when it happened to them. Except, hey, you got your butt kicked. Now that being said, was it bad form for the for the Bengals to do that? Yeah, probably. I mean, considering the Ravens were basically throwing throwing practice squad corners out there yesterday because of COVID, but Baltimore can't complain about after what happened earlier this season. It wasn't a smart move for this reason. They got to play him twice next year, and then yeah. the year after, and then the year after. And the Ravens are They'll a pretty remember. good organization. So it, did, it, it wasn't smart to do it against a division opponent. That didn't make a lot of sense, not to mention when Lamar Jackson is healthy, he can do a lot of things. The Ravens traditionally are very good defensively. I understand. And, oh, by the way, a lot of people don't know this. I think for the first time in NFL history, 
The Bengals have a 4,000-yard passer, a pair of 1,000-yard wide receivers, and a 1,000-yard running back, and all of them are under the age, I believe, of 25. Yeah. So the Bengals are coming. Yeah, they are. And with Joe Burrow looking like he is legit, they are not going away. By so, the way, how it's much their turn? Good how, for them. How much better does Vic Fangio's defense look against the Bengals after what the Bengals did against the Ravens? And if you look back over the last three, four weeks, mm-hmm. when the Broncos defense has been very good against certain teams, suddenly that offense, that opposing offense, explodes the following week. Well, look out for the Raiders next week, then, huh? Well, I mean, I know that you're joking, but just look back at what has happened. What I the, know, that's what I what, mean. What did the Lions yeah. do after they lost to the Broncos and they, scored 10 points? What did they do the following week? They killed the Cardinals. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. All right, that's going to do it for us. Alex and Danny, fantastic job as always. Mace, you were outstanding as usual. I'll try and do better tomorrow, make the best possible night you can. City love, pretty easy.